All right. Hey, everybody. It's the Always Be Cool podcast, ABC, hanging out with Bobby Kerr, BK, and Darren Copeland, DC, with our great friend, Al Fitzmorris. Al Fitzmorris, legendary Royals pitcher. Yeah. Welcome to Just the like show. Just like I wrote man. it. Just like I wrote right. it. <laughs> we have your intro here, though. So. Yeah, we always like to start out with an intro. Right. So, DC, why don't you. Yeah. Uh, so, here we go. So, Al Fitzmorris, original Royal, drafted 40th. In the overall expansion draft for the new Kansas City franchise. Right. Um, for Major League Pitcher from 1969 to 78. Originally with the White Sox, picked up by Kansas City there in that draft. Uh, had more expansion draft uh, exposure later on in the career. Got drafted by Toronto when they became an organization that traded the same day to Cleveland and finished up in Anaheim and San Diego. He's an entrepreneur, amazing golfer, musician, salesman, husband to the beautiful wife, Jan. Yeah. Who's, who's awesome. Thanks first, for getting that in. First name knowledge. <laughs> better believe there you go, Jan. There you go, Jan. You're welcome. Uh, father to Natalie, Rebecca, and Matt. Is that right? Uh, Do we forget anybody? Mickey and Elizabeth. Mickey, Mickey and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth. Well. There we go. There we go. We know. We we were trolling through you earlier on Facebook. We're like, there's a, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> I knew there. personally. Five. I knew those three. Yeah, there's yeah, five. Exactly. There's five. there's five of them, and including the dog. Right, Casey. Casey. Oh yeah. Can't Casey forget about dog. Casey. So here, a little known fact about Mr. Fitzmorris. First Royals player ever to hit safely from both sides of the plate as a Royal, which is super cool. You can tell us about that here uh, in a little bit. Uh, was on some amazing Royals uh, teams, had his best years in 75 and 76. Uh, both had 15 wins and over 200 innings pitched that year. Uh, a last original Royal on the 1976 playoff team, which is super cool. Did you know that? No, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, a few things have come up recently that I wasn't aware of regarding my career. So, really? Yeah. What, what, what were some of those? Well, um, I got text the other day, and it was really weird that they, they'd been listening to a, a broadcast, which I hadn't been listening to. And evidently, Denny, Denny Matthews brought up the fact, because they were talking about, you know, this guy's gone 19 innings and hasn't given up a home run yet. And, you know, it's, right. it's like it's a big deal. And Denny goes, let me give you a little stat. Said Alpha Morris went 135 innings without giving up a home run. <laughs> really? And I didn't know that. I knew it had been a few, but I didn't know right. that. So um That's a lot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is. That's all. You didn't that's give up a lot of home runs. No, I, I I really well, unless a guy could supply his own power, I was you know, the ball wasn't going out of the park because I mean, you know, at, at seventy six, how you know, how right. far how far can you hit it? Come on, <laughs> right. Let's be serious. So, well, you know, we we really yeah. dug into obviously we're we're personal friends, right? Sure, so when you kind of cross those lines and it's no longer just like that's a famous ball player, now it's friends, you don't just talk about baseball. Like we, we actually rarely talk about baseball. That's true. We talk right? about you know friends and family and other things. But so today digging into the stat line of Al Fitzmorris was really, really it cool. Was cool. We had a lot of fun. In fact, we started a pretty long text chain with a lot of Royals fantasy campers, yeah. like talking about oh, yeah. how you're, you're impressive <laughs> yeah. your stat line was. Because again, once you you get out of that baseball zone and become friends, you kind of forget about how badass of a player you were. Right. You know. Yet again, yesterday I had some people text me. Seren Petro mm-hmm. evidently, you know, was saying some things about about my career, and I really don't know what it was. But he was talking about some of the things that have kind of gone unnoticed. And, you know, I, I kind of don't live in that necessarily. You right. know, I just kind of do my thing. Um, 
the thing I'm most grateful for in, in playing baseball is it allows me the opportunity to do some of the things I've done after baseball. Right. You know, I, I enjoy the charity work I do. I enjoy the, right. you know, like, like the fantasy camp thing, yep. you know, with yep. you guys exactly. and, and the rest of them. And, um, that, to me, that's, that's what baseball brought me. Right. And, and whatever else came with it, you know, that's, fine. that's, that's pretty special. Good. And, you know, the other guys that we've had on the show, uh, we had Duke and Dina on the show. <laughs> we had, we had less on the show. And the message was very, very similar. Yeah, it was same thing. It's baseball was cool, but it's allowed me, it's allowed my family to do X, Y, Z. Exactly. That's yeah, there's, there's there's reasons without without getting really philosophical about this. There's there's reasons you're allowed to do things, and to me, that's just the reason I was allowed to play baseball. Right. For when I'm out of baseball, and maybe I can do something for somebody. So. So one of, the, one of the first memories I had when we first started to get to know each other, Al, and this was years and years ago at Fantasy Camp, but you know how we have the, the white 15-passenger vans and take people around. Right. There was one night that uh, Clarky and I, so Tim Clark, uh, you were like, hey, do you guys need to ride somewhere? And we're like, well, yeah, we need to go somewhere and get a beverage somewhere. <laughs> and uh, so you took uh, Clark and I uh, to a store close to the hotel, and uh, we, we got some Coke Zero, whatever that was. Right. And uh, But you were sharing some pretty cool stories with us because, you know, your, your track, you know, your, your mission and how you got into baseball and your story of how you got started was not the easiest compared to a lot of other ball players who were like first round draft picks and immediately. So, you know, kind of want to start off today just so some of the listeners get to know is, you know, what was your path? Because I know you became a father at a pretty young age and you, you had some things to overcome as you were, you know, getting into the major league. So Natalie, my firstborn, was born my senior year in high school. And I got married on my 18th birthday in high oh, school. Wow. Um, was not Jan. Jan. Jan would come a few years later. And Jan and I, by the way, have been married. It'll be 51 50, years. Yeah, that's July. amazing. Congrats. Hold on, hold on. I have hold applause it. on this right. thing. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right on. That's yeah, awesome. that, that, that's, that's for me because she, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody I mean, Jan, Jan was like, um, she was first runner up. Miss Kansas, yeah. back when I met her. And um, I, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But I'll, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back to coming out of high school. And, and I'd been scouted, um, you know, for, for baseball. I played football. I had a lot of opportunities to play football in college, um, basketball as well, and then baseball. But I needed to make money. I needed to make a, a living. And so baseball was there immediately, although it wasn't, um, you know, financially rewarding when I signed. Right. And I went to work immediately after high school again because I had a, a wife and a child. And so, um, about like January, I've been working this, uh, with, with this, uh, electrical company and I've been working on a, a board ship. We've been pulling cables and I mean, it was grueling. It was basically seven o'clock to like five. And it was, I was just, I'd come home and eat and go to bed. And I call the scout and I go, Hey, you know, I can play ball. What, what happened? And he goes, well, the fact that you got married, had a child, it's just a lot of baggage for wow. a young kid. Yeah. And those are the times, man. Yeah. You could right. say things like that. Yeah. Exactly. And we don't know, you know, that, that we, you know, we want you. And this is the Chicago White Sox. And I go, I just want an opportunity. And so he'd been a friend and I played with his, his son and everything. I guess, Al, let me see what I can do. So he called the White Sox. They, um, they came and they said, we'll give you a, a contract 
$500 a month. We'll send you to Sarasota, Florida. If you make a team, fine. If not, we'll fly you home. And so I went there as an outfielder. I wasn't a pitcher. Right. I went there as an outfielder. Right. And I played like, oh gosh, two years in the outfield and, you know, struggled and, and, you know, another child came along. So all of a sudden you've got a kid that's like 20 with two kids and you, you can, t- I had a few things on my mind other than trying to hit a baseball. Right. Right. That's right. And making 550, I've gotten over 50 yeah, raise, yeah. next year. Yeah. I was, I was in tall cotton then. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Carlos May, who was like, Maybe my best friend on those, those team. This is, this is in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Towards the end of the season, the manager at the end of a meeting and said, and Fitz, I'm going to see you in my office. And Carlos May looked at me and goes, Al, I don't think this is going to go real well for you. <laughs> this <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, this is not the meeting you want. And I go, ah, how bad can it be? And he goes, I, I think it's going to be bad. And so I went in and sat down and he goes, we're going to release you when the season's over. I mean, you're kidding. I, I said, I told everybody I was going to be a major league baseball player. I said, this, this can't happen. Right. And he goes, well, we organizationally, that's what we're going to do. We've got center fielders ahead of you. We've got a lot of them. And, um, that's going to be it. Now we're getting ready to go into the playoffs because we've won the first half. Another team won the second half. So it's going to be like a three game mm-hmm. playoff. Right. And he goes, you know, just when the playoffs are over, you're done. I said, well, you may not know this, but I can pitch. And he goes, can you really? I go, yeah, I can pitch. I had no idea I could pitch. <laughs> you, you're throwing I really, it out there. <laughs> I, pitched, I pitched a little bit, but, you know, I, I knew nothing about what was going on. And he said, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a couple starts because I don't want to use my guys that I'm going to use in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. He says, you'll be in center field in the playoffs, but I'll give you a couple starts. And um, I literally had to go out and ask a, uh, uh, a pitcher, how do you throw a breaking ball? I had no idea. And so he showed me how to throw a slider. Right. Anyway, I pitched pretty well. And uh, when the season was over, he said, you know what? We're going to take you to Instructional League, which was in, in um, Sarasota, Florida, and just see how you can progress because, you know, you've got potential. And so, long story short, two and a half years later, I was in the big leagues. Wow. Just, and just two and a half years later. Yes. That, that was like at the end of 66, 67, 68, and 69, I was in the big leagues. Wow. So what I'm gathering from this, Al, is between, I was desperate. <laughs> between between that situation and Jan and some other things, and you're out, you're an, I, I missed the ultimate salesperson on this. Oh, shape. no, like, I didn't. True salesman. <laughs> right, right in the middle. I true know him. Right. That's, that's a salesman. That, hey guys, I can right, pitch too. Wait, right. somebody, how do you pitch? Yeah. So how do I do yeah, this? That, that's true. His name was Steve Coker, and um, he and I, he and I were, were friends. And, and I go, man, I, I said this is this is like do or die for me. But I was not going to go home and tell everybody that I've been cut loose. That was not going to happen. Right. And I really dug in, and um, the following year, '67. I, I don't have my, my minor league record there, but I, I was, I made the all-star team this and that. The following year, which probably nobody will ever believe, I led the league in strikeouts as a pitcher. I struck out more that year than I think I did my entire Collectively. career in the big leagues. I mean, I, you know, I struck out like right around 200, 210 guys. And, and I mean, I was like a 50, 60 strikeout guy in the big leagues. Right. They were a little better hitters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, certainly. Yeah, a little, a little bit different story. But yeah, it was, um, you know, a lot of the, being in the right place at the right time, selling myself, you know, I'm a, 
I mean, I married Jan. I mean, what kind of... You did. You sold about, her. Talk about us. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Hold on. Way to go. Hey, you guys are doing okay, too, so don't, don't, yeah, let's are. not go there. That's <laughs> true. But, um, yeah, I, I had to convince them that I could um, that I could pitch. I did. Again, like I said, I pitched a couple pretty good games, and it was on. Well, so. I'd say what a career. Career ERA of 365. Yeah. 1,300 innings pitched in the bigs. 36 complete games. Which is unheard of these days. 458 strikeouts, by the way. But look at the innings. That That's, what, one every... Well, we don't have to do the division one right now. One every three innings or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's, that's better than I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. bad. Not bad at not all, bad sir. At all. And pitch, you know, obviously pitch into a lot of contact. Um, so, with that, pitching in the big leagues now versus pitching in the big leagues in the 60s and 70s. There's been a lot of changes, a lot of change in philosophy. The game is completely different. So I reached out to a couple of friends and said, hey, we've got Fitzy on the show today. What are some questions that you would ask? And one of the questions was that that dichotomy of the 70s versus today, like was something in the water? Because pitchers in the 60s and 70s seem to throw longer, more innings, more, more, many more innings, more complete games, fewer injuries, at least maybe that's just what we know. Right. So what do you think? Was it in the water? What's the philosophy? You know, I, I was talking to some um, some guys the other day uh, about about that. And we didn't try to, you know, I'm not saying we could have, but we didn't try to throw 95 miles an hour. All we had to do was get people out. Right. And if you watch, even today, if you watch a game today, the, the successful, like, they're actually, I don't even know what they call them now. They start the game. But... You know, it's it's like 95, 96 miles an hour, and if they get into the fourth inning, you know, you, you hear on the radio or TV what a great job they've done. And, um, you know, had we been asked to just throw as hard as you can and get us a couple innings and then, you know, bring someone else in, you know, you'd have had hard throws back then. I mean, Nolan Ryan, Frank Tanan, and uh, Burt Blyden, and guys like that, Steve Busby. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, I mean, I I don't know that I'd have thrown much harder. I might have got up in the you know low 90s, but it's, again, good successful starters now that are pitching six seven innings are throwing 90, 91, 92. Right. You've got the guys that are just um, you know 95, 96 are going to pitch for a couple of years, then they're going to get rid of them. We're going to bring someone else up. Right. But we we had to know how to pitch. Um, I could to this day, you could name a pitch uh, a hitter that I faced, and I'd tell you how to get him out. I didn't have hmm. to go in my pocket for a card that, that said, True. that said, um, well, let's see, Mike Trout. Let's see. Got yeah. Some, it's got some power. The spray chart. You know, um, we, we knew we, we actually studied the game. We'd sit on the bench and we'd talk about the game. And I know they do that today too. But, um, I'll give you an example. Jack McKeon was, was managing when I was playing. And I was getting ready to face Baltimore. Baltimore had some pretty good players. I mean, you know, the Robinsons, sure. Boo Powell, sure. guys like this. And he told me, no breaking balls. You cannot throw a breaking ball. And I go, well, Jack, what, what do you mean? He goes, every breaking ball you throw is going to cost you 100 bucks." Oh, my gosh. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I'm planning on throwing at least 100, 120 pitches. 30 or 40 of them will be, you know, breaking right. balls. Right. It's going to add up. If, if I have grand. to write a check for four grand, Jan will leave me. <laughs> so I, I go, okay. I said, well, you know, you're the manager. And I, I threw like a two-hit shutout, fastball, 
change it. And next that's game. It. Yeah, next game against Milwaukee, said fit, same deal. And I, th- I think a seven-hit shutout. So I had 18 innings, no runs, um, total of like nine hits. But it was the best lesson. Pitching's about locating and getting hitters off balance. Mm-hmm. It still is. You watch these guys swinging over like off-speed pitches. Mm-hmm. It, it, it hasn't changed that much. What's changed is the inability for pitchers to be able to throw the ball to a location. And if mm. you watch Salvi give a target and watch where he winds up catching the ball. It's usually about two to three feet from where he targets. Do you think that's targeted. just overthrowing, going I, for the strikeout as opposed I, I, to location? Yeah, I, I think they're afraid, a little afraid of contact. You make a good pitch, you know, they can hit. And believe me, when we threw a pitch, we weren't hoping for contact. We really weren't. We wanted to swing and a miss, too, just sure. like everybody else. But, um, you know, we go in with a goal of lasting longer than the other starting pitching, Hopefully finishing the game, and um, I was talking to a friend of mine. We were doing, we were doing. Like you wanted to finish the game. Yeah, I, everything I, I started, I wanted to finish, and I, I didn't. But you know, I was kind of disappointed. If you pitch, you know, and again, I'm taking nothing away from these guys that are pitching today. They're, you know, they're great guys, they have great arms, and, and they're doing what they're they're told to do mm-hmm. basically. But you know, five or six innings really wasn't necessarily a day's work, right? Because hmm. everyone was going. Longer and another thing that I wanted to touch on now because you know growing up, my dad would always say, "Hey, the Royals teams of the '70s were some of the best teams that we ever had in franchise history." So, kind of taking a look at back at that, one of the questions I had for you is: looking back, who was one of your favorite managers that you played for? Whether it was with the Royals or whoever, who was who was one of the managers that just kind of stood out from the rest? My all-time favorite manager, bar none, was Bob Lemon. Bob Lemon, okay. He took over the Royals in, in um middle of, of 70. Charlie Metro had been managing. He was let go. And he had it for the next, up till, let's see, 70, 71, 72. He had it for like two and a half years. And here, here's something that Lem did. You know, I was still a young kid, and I was still kind of feeling my way. And Lemon had been a third baseman pitcher. And he's a Hall of Fame pitcher now. But um, he liked to hit, and I liked to hit. And so, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd leave me in maybe a little longer than he should have. But I was pitching a game in Boston. And going into the ninth inning, I was getting ready. It was like a two-to-one game, three-to-one game. We were winning. I mean, you know, Yastrzemski, Evans. I mean, they had Just bumpers, yeah. George Scott. And I was going out, and he, he said, Fitz, he goes, if you get a man on, he said, I'm going to come get you. He said, the reason I'm going to come get you is he said, you pitched too good a ball game to lose one. He said, so I'm going to look out for you. I mean, how can you not love a guy That's like awesome. That? Yeah. Instead of, you know, you suck, sit down. But that's the way Bob Lemon was. He didn't have any favorites. Um, he just wanted guys to show up, play as hard as they could. That's a good leader. You see what happens. It's a sign of oh, a good leader. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, opposite of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, the show. but, you know, right. plus Lemon, you know, he'd, he'd have a – we didn't have Coke Zero back in the day. Right? He'd, <laughs> yeah. have, he'd have a soda with us. Right? Oh, I bet. So. He had, had a pop, had a pop <laughs> with you. Who, who would you say on those teams, you know, we all know George Brett and the amazing career that he had, but who would you say on those teams were kind of, you know, under the radar, really, really good, but maybe didn't get as much credit for uh, as much of what they brought to the team or the talent or something like that? Because I know, you know, you know, might be AO or someone along those lines, but who on those teams was just like, 
just an amazing stud. Well, still one of my one of my best friends in the game is, is Ao Amos, yeah. and um, you know we we stay in touch. I love Amos. Mm-hmm. Um, he got hurt. I think it was in '70. Ran into the wall at Municipal Stadium, and um, that night I went to the hospital. You know, he's literally in the hospital. I mean, he got oh, wow. messed up. Wow. And um, I, I'm not saying this for any particular reason, but I was the only one that went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went the next night. And when, when he was all well and everything like that, and he came to me and sat down, he goes, Fitz, and he goes, there'll never be a ball hit off you anywhere in my area that will drop. Wow. I promise you that. It'll work for you. Oh, he... How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. And he was like the ultimate. I mean, he was Mr. Cool back then, right? He, he's, the, in, in my opinion, he's he still the best is, center yeah. fielder the, the Royals have ever had. And he yeah. made it look so easy. He's kind of like a DiMaggio out there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was so smooth. And not don't... I didn't play against DiMaggio, so don't go there, okay, guys? <laughs> that was the next question. <laughs> but, what um, was it like to play against Joe D? Yeah, A.O. Um, I mean, we, we had a bunch of role players. Tom Poquette. Yeah. Jim mm-hmm. Wolford. Um, guys that just were unbelievable, uh, guys that did get some mentioned, but not enough, like an Al Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we had a bunch of guys that I think the year with the week, 76, first year we won a division. I want to say we only as a team had 65 home runs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not a lot. No, it's not a lot. Year. And Mayberry had most of those. Yeah. Right. But it was like kind of like the, the 14, 15 teams, you know, keep mm-hmm. the line moving. Yep. Just keep going. You know, you get um, station like, to station. Brett would hit a double and, and like McCray would hit behind him, get him over to third, Mayberry would drive him in. And, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of, and you, you guys know John. Oh, my John, gosh. John's so full of it. But he, he said an invention like, like if, if a Brett was on second, and maybe and uh, McCray, if he would strike out or ground to the left or wouldn't get him over, John would just sit there and he'd go, "You're costing me money." Because <laughs> you're an RBI. Yeah, I'm right. paid to drive in runs. Because now I get a hit. <laughs> Can you imagine Big John in his youth and his prime? How salty he oh. <laughs> just now. Oh, I mean, look, look at now. him now. Now, now the one thing I want to bring up, and now you're going to have to keep this rated G here for us, Al, but. I, I remember there, I could do it. Yeah, there there was a uh, a story that you were telling us at a luncheon one time at Jack Stack about you guys were playing on a super hot day. Oh on, yeah, on, right. And what and, exactly and John and John said some words to you. <laughs> um, I I had a on the turf, and it was it'd be like 135 degrees yeah. on that old turf, like melt your cleats. Oh yeah, and uh, the players would come in and they'd stand in these boxes of ice because their feet were so hot. And I'd had the habit of every once in a while, I'd, I'd start bouncing the ball on the turf, just kind of gathering my thoughts. And all of a sudden, I hear, hey, Fitz. And I turn around, and John's like five feet from me. And, of course, I was on the dirt, so I, you know, I was, I was all right. Right. You know, I wasn't that hot. And um, maybe goes, see these feet? You know, he's got, like, size 30 foot. <laughs> right. And he goes, they're on fire. And he goes, the longer I stand out here, the hotter they get. And you're walking around the field, bouncing a ball. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to tell you right here, you bounce that ball one more time, 35,000 people are going to watch me kick your ass right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. I know, I love and it. John walked in here right yeah. now, he, he tells so, tell the same so story. So I was reading an article today. Uh, that somebody had done on you. It was, I think the, the name of the article was like the last original Royal. Yeah. 
And are you familiar with that I, article I, at all? I've read it, it a long time ago, but I remember the article. So it, for me, never have having read it, it brought two stories um, like together for me. So one was I, I've heard that you tell that story about Big John, right? So, but I never obviously got to watch you play, so I never knew that you took your time. Some you were known to take your time around I, the mound. I, I could. Not that's that's a nice worker. way to put it. Not the not fastest, fastest worker. Yeah. So in this article, it talks about. Um, during a particular game, a different game, Denny was on the call. Oh, yeah. Do you know the story? Yeah. And so so make it full circle here. There was there used to be a beer guy at Kaufman that had a spot-on Denny Matthews impersonation. Spot-on. Okay. And you shut your eyes, you think it's Denny. And he used to – every time I'd go to the games, I'd call him over, I'd buy a beer from him, right. and he would – I'd ask him for the impersonation. He'd say, you know – and. When he'd say something, then he'd finish it with, and go grab some guy's nuts, you know? And because guys, guys potato chips, chips right? Yeah, yeah. Was one of So anyway, yeah. there, was a, there was a game where you were taking your time. Do you know the story? Yeah, I almost I got Denny fired. Yeah, well, so <laughs> yes, tell that story. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was, you know, it was like, I'm going to also say that I also have, I think, I want to say 12 to 15 games under two hours. Ah, so it wasn't all the time. Not in, no. Most of the time I was in trouble though. Those games took a little longer. <laughs> right. Had to, had to take some time to figure them out. But I, I was taking my time and, and I think he's doing a game with Bud Blattner. Okay. Who goes way back in the day. He used to actually do some of the uh, Saturday game of the week with, um, I think it was Dizzy Dean maybe. But, um, they kind of, you know, hit, hit the cough button and said, Denny, read, read a spot. Do, do a guy's spot. Mm-hmm. And so he said, Fitzmore's taking too much time out there. So then he goes, um, all right, he goes, and for those of you that are out there, if you're getting ready to go shopping, he goes, when you're, when you're walking down that aisle, he says, don't for, he said, you ladies, don't forget to grab some guy's nuts. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, my he did. God. And, and it's amazing. all of a sudden, cough button. And they go, <laughs> you can't say that. And then he goes, how do I fix it? And they go, you can't. You don't. You don't. Just let it go. No, Just so let the, it go. The good part about that was that, it ended up being like the celebrated thing to where enough this guy decades later, right. beer guy was yeah, doing impersonations yeah, yeah. that I had heard, had no idea that was the story with you. And it became like legend of Denny Matthews. Yeah. And you guys, know, guys actually celebrated him oh, for it. I, I was going to say, they probably awesome. got so much, you know, mm-hmm. they did. publication. They, did. they probably sold oh a lot of nuts. <laughs> Maybe we can, are they still a company? I think they're still yeah, a company. We should still still sponsor the this show today because we're talking about the potato chips on the show. Somebody mentioned yeah, guys right. again. There you go, Bob. You're always thinking. All right. That's our first sponsor. It is. The ABC podcast. You know what's funny, though? To this day, like when, when, Denny Matthews does the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, all right, the world is okay. Yep. The world is right. Denny's back on the, the air. The world is right. Yeah, he's, sure. he's been a friend forever and ever. Well, since 1969. Yeah. Well, I can't even imagine all the friends and, and people that you've met along the way that have you know set you up through life. And another person I wanted to bring up because, you know, I'm kind of a, a baseball card nerd when I was a young kid. That's how I got really good at math and memorizing Stats, numbers yeah. and Lo and behold, now we're, you know, we're in the mortgage business, right? But just memorizing the, the back of baseball cards. But talk a little bit about Cedric Tallis and what he meant to the organization and the, the thoughts that you have on him. You know, when you talk about Royals that, that got little or not nearly enough credit, Cedric Tallis may be the guy. Um, he basically built the organization. Um, some of the trades he made, he got Mayberry, he got um, A.O., 
McCray. Uh, McCray. He right. got three Hall of Famers right yeah. there. Oh my gosh. Um, he got, you know, got Tony Salita over here. Um, I, I'm not sure if he was still here when, when Kilbrew came over, mm. but he basically put the team together and he should, he should be in the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame. Hands down. Should be. I don't, I don't As know. As executive, yeah. Along with Fred White. Mm-hmm. And, um, but those guys, I, I think they kind of missed the boat. But, um, Cedric Tallis was awesome. Very businesslike, very fair, very smart. Um, we got Amos Otis for Joe Foy. Um, we got Mayberry. I want to say for, um, you guys, he's a sidearm pitcher. I don't, I don't remember his name. It'll probably come to me when we're off, but, um, he made some unbelievable trades. Right. And we, uh, we got Hal McRae from the Big Red Machine, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what we gave up for Hal, but clearly that worked out in our favor as well. Yeah, I think we also got uh, Wayne Simpson that came over in that trade, hmm. who was a pitcher. Okay, you know he he never really did that much for the for the Kansas City Royals, but you know he was he was a good pitcher. But um, yeah, Cedric, he was awesome. He was awesome. And, you know, I mean that that day. And there's only two people, Joe Rannon being the other one, that was with three major league clubs in one day. And both of us were drafted twice. Nice. That's an Which interesting, is kind of, interesting, kind of different. Yeah. And what happened, kind of funny, is that, you know, Whitey and I had had a falling out. Whitey Herzog and I had had a falling out. And I didn't even think about the draft. I had no idea what was coming or the how. Expansion or, draft, yeah, the yeah. expansion draft, Yeah, the expansion draft in 68. And Jan came. We were living out in Blue Springs. Jan came and said, Fitz, there's a um, there's someone on the phone for you, and I go, what, what do they want? She goes, you better take the call. So I took the call, and it was a general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays. And he goes, he goes, Al, we just drafted you. He says, you are now a Blue, Blue Jay. Jay. And I literally said, "What? What's a Blue Jay?" I said, "I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about what was going on." And he goes, "We're, we're a team up in Toronto." What's a Blue Jay? And Is I this go, still a major league team? Yeah, I go, "What?" And he goes, "We just, you know, free H draft. You're, you're with us now. You're, you're Toronto Blue Jay." And he goes, "What do you have to say about that?" And I mean, I'd only been awake for ten minutes, so you know, it wasn't oh, going to no. be real clear. And I go, and it was just at the time when money was starting to come into the game, and I said. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Because, I mean, I'd come up. I just averaged 15 wins a year for three years. Yeah, right. Um, I had a winning record. Um, and he goes, why, why, do you, why do you have to go there? Why, why are you saying that? <laughs> right. And I go, because I'm not coming there unless I'm paid a lot of money. I said, pure and simple. Yeah, I wasn't smart enough to know the tax. I didn't know anything about the taxes. But, yeah, you had to make a little more money to play in Toronto. Right. So about an hour later, the phone just ringing off the hook. It's it's cha- it's the channels, the different mm, news stations, mm-hmm. the you know the beat reporters, just everybody. And I go, Jan. I said, just tell everybody I'll meet them at the ballpark at two o'clock. Talk to everybody at once. Yeah, I'll I'll just do a press conference. We'll we'll be done with this. So at two o'clock, I show up and take all these questions and this and that. And finally, um, I said, well, it could have been worse. I could have been traded to Cleveland. <laughs> And here you, it, are yeah. you serious? At press really? conference, I got home. The phone rang. It was Phil Sagi, the general manager for Cleveland, saying, "Al, we just traded for a year." Oh Cleveland, my Indian. gosh! What a day! Oh my gosh! And so I mean, you had to be just in an awesome mood. Were you I, just like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, I can't. Could have been Cleveland. Is someone I, messing with me? That was the worst place to play in baseball. Cleveland. Oh my 
gosh. And so I started calling everybody I remember being there. I said, hey, can you not print that last line? Right. You know, can you let that one fly? Oh, no. No, yeah. that's, that's you know, a story. I, that's gold. That's gold. Uh, wow. So I showed up. I was doing all these, these pressers and this and that. And Frank Robinson was the manager. And I saw him. Jan and I were actually um, getting them malted somewhere. And I ran into Frank. And uh, he goes, hey, there's my sixth pitcher on the starting staff. Oh, boy. Ooh. So Frank and I didn't get along at all. Wow. And yeah. so um, I, I could do a show on Frank Robinson's stories. I mean, best player I ever faced, bar none. Right. The absolute best. And, um, but, yeah, you know, he just, he's one of those guys that when, when we won, you know, I did this, I did that. When we lost, he'd start pointing fingers at everybody. As the manager. Uh, yeah. So uh, I... I I love that we're talking about this because, yes, we're talking baseball, but in every single episode of the show, we'd love to talk about leadership. And a couple of times we've mentioned what great leaders do and what they don't do. And in our opinion, great leaders do not finger point. No, they thumb point. And we say that all the time with our teams. We're thumb pointers. Not finger pointers. And it's interesting. A lot of people are going to hear this and be like, oh, man, that sucks because people have this vision of, of, you know, famous ball players or famous leaders. And you think, oh, they're just a great leader because they were a great player or they're a great worker at a company. So automatically they'll be a great leader. And that's just not the case always. And we, we learned that from, you know, one of our partners that we work with a lot of times. And what we say about this organization is they have mastered the people business mm-hmm. hands down from top exactly. to bottom exactly. nine thousand employees so you could be the ceo you can be the the janitor it doesn't matter but how they make people feel how they lead uh care about their families it's everything right again mm-hmm. leading back to always be cool abc right. you know our theme of everything but it, it, it's amazing how that just doesn't transcend everywhere you know it, it doesn't if, if i was like if i was managing a baseball club what I would do is I would surround myself with the smartest, best baseball people imaginable, and I would manage the people. You know, in my opinion, you don't, in the American League, well, both leagues now, you know, with the DH, you know, it, you don't manage that much. You really mm-hmm. don't. You put the best players you've got on the field or that you've got on the field every single day. You have to manage pitching. I mean, that, that, that sure. comes into play, but you have to you have to be aware of what's going on from a pitching standpoint. But any business I was in, I would get the, the best people in the in the, those positions that I could possibly find. I wouldn't be worried about my job. I wouldn't be insecure about that. Right. Because, you know, if, if if they're doing their jobs, my job's gonna gonna be a lot easier to do. But um quick quick Frank Robinson story, I was out in the I was buried in the bullpen. Man, in he, really, he really didn't right. like you. I mean, I was right. coming off, you know, some good years and I was buried in the bullpen and all of a sudden the phone rang and it's, we're in Milwaukee and Jim Bibby's pitching and it says, tell, uh, tell Fitz he's in. And so I, I start throwing, 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 throwing. All of a sudden I, I go in the game. I got one out, came off the field and Frank goes, you're done. You're done. So I walk in and Jim Bibby, I don't know. He's six foot six, weighs, weighs about 260, 250, just like a specimen. And um, he go, he looks at me and he goes, unbelievable. And I go, what? He goes, you know what inning it is? And I go, I really don't. He goes, you just closed out the fifth inning. We're up like six to two. 
Bibby really didn't have to come out of the game, but Frank didn't like Bibby either. <laughs> wow. And so I look at Bibby, I go, you're not mad at me, are you? <laughs> this is like Man Mountain Dean. Can, can I have go, one friend on this yeah, team? Yeah, and he goes, no, no. And he says, but that's it for Frank. That's it. So after the game, Frank comes walking in, and Bibby just charges him. Wow. And Jeff Torborg, who was wound up taking over for Frank, starts tackling Bibby. And I kind of wanted Bibby to get to Frank. So I'm sure to take Torborg off of, off of Bibby. And anyway, it all, it all wound up okay. I got a one out win. You know, <laughs> in, in spite of how bad my year was that year, one of those wins was only one out. So, I'm, you know, you know so hey. I got an interesting question for you. So that was in 78. That was 77. 77. Okay. Yeah. So 75, 76, you know, those were fun. Those were your best years. Right. 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 Statistically uh-huh. speaking. Um, and you, you roll into Toronto, then Cleveland, right. And end up in, in California as well. Do you think maybe, maybe there were more guys than, than just Frank Robinson, but by him having that kind of personal vendetta, did that stymie your career because it didn't allow you to showcase what you could continue to do. So therefore maybe that's why the career ended when it did or, you know, I, I was a, I basically grew up in this organization, Kansas City Rose organization. I was 23 when I, I was first came here, mm-hmm. right. and I played for eight years. And when I left, I, I felt like I was leaving my family. I really did. I really took it personally. You, you know, I'm that's kind of who I am. And I never felt, I never felt at home anywhere else. Now, when I got to the Angels, I, I kind of did uh, because there were a lot of guys that I'd known, I'd played against, I'd. I'd Indians back in, in that day had a, had a really different take on them. Um, they just wanted to get the game over with, win, lose, mm. or draw. There were about three or four of us gotcha. that really wanted to win ball games, and um, you know it, it was just different. But what really derailed me was, and this is a positive thing actually. You're talking about the importance of family. Is that um, you know Jan and I had Matthew and Rebecca, and they were just approaching school age. This is. In '79, as a player coach in Hawaii, okay. and the Padres had told me this that if you if you get going, we'll you know bring you over here as quickly as we can. But we had everything was filled, and uh, I signed her as a free agent, no money. But I'd had a pretty good year with the Angels, happy year with the Angels, and I wanted to stay there. Long story, but um, and I go, I, I I don't know, I don't know. And the uh, general manager said, Well, would you be interested in being the pitching coach in like two years? And I go, no. I go, really? I go, no. I said, in fact, I'm going home with my family. They're getting ready to start school. And I told you that, you know, I'd, I'd been married and gotten divorced. And so I missed three kids growing up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going to happen again. I right. knew that, you know, that I, I took the, the, I own that. And so, you know, that didn't go well. And I was not going to let Jan have to raise two kids by herself. I didn't think that was fair. And so I said, I'm done. Right. I'm done. And I'd known where the money was going, and I might have hung on a little longer, but I enjoyed everything about the kids. I enjoyed the PTA meetings, the church choirs, the school plays, um, Little League, yep. you know, all these different things. And, and you don't regret No, not at all. I, you know, I talked to, you know, John Wathen, he and I from San Diego. Yep. Yep. And, you know, he missed a lot of that. 
and we've talked about that. I don't know if you ever mentioned it. Jamie Quirk stayed in the game and missed a lot of that. I wasn't going to miss any of that. Well, right. I was going to bring up Duke because when we had him in here a couple of weeks ago, he talked about that's why he really never wanted to leave Kansas City because he right. was fortunate enough mm-hmm. to where even if when he was coaching in Omaha, he was still just three hours away. Um, the fact that he lived in Blue Springs. And so I think he said six months out of the year, he didn't miss a thing. PTA right. meetings, Dusty, you know, games, Dina's games, their, you know, their other brother. So um, absolutely, family means right. a lot to a lot of you guys. And I think especially for our Kansas City boys, you know, like you said, Kansas City became your home. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of people don't really realize as a, a major league player, you know, they think it's all glamorous, mm-hmm. right? But they don't realize all the family time that you guys are missing. I mean, you know, spring training in March, right? And then you go all the way through and then, like with you guys having you know some postseason experience, I mean your your time is only a couple months, right? You know right, over, right. over the winter time, so it's it's not all glamorous, right? Well, I've been with Cleveland, the Angels, and the Padres in, in like a, a year and a half period of time. And Jan goes, Fitz, you've got to understand, we just can't follow you wherever you go because you know Matthew will be in school, Rebecca's just a year behind, and um, she wasn't saying that to to get me to quit. Sure. But she just explained it to me that. You know, that's the way it's going to be. And um, I didn't miss, like Rebecca wound up, she's a, she's a stud. She's a softball player. She got a full ride at KU to play softball. Nice. And Matthew went to Northwest Missouri State. And then he signed, he played independent ball. And then he signed with Atlanta. But um, Matthew's first professional game, and he, you know, it was kind of like me. That for whatever reason, the scouts fell off of him. And he, he, he was quite a player. He, um... He's the 33rd leading hitter in the country at a D2 school. And, um, you know, we fully expected him to get drafted. It didn't happen. But Richmond, Indiana, independent team, picked him up. And so his first game, and, I mean, he's kind of like I was. You know, I'd never been away from home when I finally went to play ball. Mm -hmm. I'd never, ever been away from home, ever, not even overnight. And Matthew was, was similar to a degree, although he did go off to college. But um, I jumped in the car, and Jan goes, where are you going? I go, I'm going to watch Matthew's first game. She goes, it's like 11 hours away. I go, yeah, I better yeah. get going. Yeah. And so <laughs> Rebecca go. jumped in the car. She goes, I'm going with you. And so we drove to the game, and we, you know, we walked in and sat down, and, and Matthew's up the bat, and we go, let's go, Matthew, get this thing started. And he turned around and looked and started crying. Oh, my gosh. Because he didn't know we were going to be there. That's special. And um, cool. when the game was over, we went out to eat, then we drove back, and then I had to be to work the next day because I've worked, you know, since I got out of baseball, right. I worked every day. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how much my family meant to me. That's and awesome. so we, we got up there as often as we could. And, um, you know, Matthew and I are working together now. Yeah, yeah. He's, and, Matt's a great guy. And, you know, what? as a son, that's something that you never forget. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we've worked together probably for about 25 years at, at different things. Uh, right now, I'm going to throw a plug in there. We've sure, got, go we've ahead. got a roofing company, yes. um, building trades construction, and, you know, Matthew got it up and running. And, I mean, it's been in existence, but he took over the, the, the roofing portion of it that we're going we're gonna to keep going. And um, from the minute I started, you know, I, I got back in working with Matthew. I've just been, you know, it's, everything's been good. Everything's been good. Right. So, um, Well, you know, well keep, keep plugging away for a second. So... 
you know, we, we actually have this in the notes. So you guys specialize. So what are some things that you can help people around the area with? Nothing. We're, Nothing. we're not very good. <laughs> no, no. We, <laughs> Is it like those commercials? What would you say you're good at? Well, I'm just average. Remember this. that one commercial where it's it's about a basketball game and they come at the halftime and this guy's screaming and everything like that and the reporter says, you got to plan for the rest of the game. No, we're going to get killed. <laughs> But um, I mean, we, we specialize in, in re- residential commercial roofing, and we're very good at what we do. Awesome. Um, siding, windows, um, gutters, about anything exterior, we can we can get you taken care of. That's awesome. It's cool. really That's cool awesome. that you do get to work with Matt. I know oh, you've yeah. done it in a couple different avenues over 25 years, and he's a great guy. You guys are both really cool to be around. I'd like to stay on the topic of family for a little bit. Okay. Sure. Um, it's important yeah. to you. It's important to us. And... Your granddaughter, Maddie. Maddie, yeah. Um, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about her, and maybe we can raise a little bit of awareness for what she's struggling with and what the entire family is going through. Well, Madison is my oldest daughter's daughter. Um, she's 23, and actually, Jan and I just went back to Arizona. Uh, she got married on the 26th mm-hmm. of March. Because they're they're in the Phoenix area. Yes, right? they, yeah. have, they have a Mayo Clinic there, and so she's getting treatment there. But she has a... a brain stem tumor and it's inoperable they can't even biopsy it because they're afraid it would kill her or it would paralyze her it's so close to her spine yeah and she's i mean she's fighting a good fight and um you know she has good days and bad days and and i was talking to my daughter i said you know what are some of the ups and downs she goes well she's as positive as she can possibly be but she goes even i i i said madison what this is my daughter talking madison what what what's it what are you going through? She goes, well, mom, I wake up. I'm thankful that I'm waking up. And she goes, but I wonder if this is my last day. Cause she's diagnosed and they, they said, you've got one to 10 years. It's been like 14 mm. months now. Mm-hmm. And she's doing pretty well. I mean, she's, she wears a brace on her, on her leg and she, her left arm is, is a little immobile and her vision is yeah. starting to blur. Special glasses, right? So, um, you know, being a musician, um, and I've been writing music my whole life and I wrote a song we're hoping to, to be able to somehow make some money with because she's got a lot of expenses that are not covered through insurance. Right. She's going to have to do some different treatments some travel and what have you. And, um, it's called warrior and it's about her. It's about her fight. And, um, you know, we're hoping again, like I said, we can do something positive with it. And, yeah. um, where can people go to listen to the song to help out? Right now, it's my house, unfortunately. I haven't recorded it okay. yet. We're still working at that. So go, go ahead and throw your home address out there. <laughs> They'll come um, over and pay you I, to play I think it. everybody's got it, to be honest right. with you. But, um, well, isn't there... Uh, we're going to record it here shortly. Very cool. And we would love to I'll get, get you that all the information. We're also going to try and uh, make a video out of it. And having her mom and her, her sisters and her aunts send me... Videos and, and stills we're going to put together in, in a video form and, and kind of tell and show her story. Now, isn't there also somewhere where people can go help? Isn't, doesn't matter. GoFundMe. Go fund yeah, there's a GoFundMe. Um, Elizabeth Fitzmorris, it's, it's under, uh, which is my kind of my middle daughter. Um, her she has aunt, a GoFundMe. Maddie's aunt. Right? Yeah, Maddie's aunt. Uh, a GoFundMe out there that, you know, gosh, if, if anybody can help, that'd be awesome. But more, as, as much as that, you know, we're looking for all the prayer warriors out there Absolutely. to, to yeah. pray. Because, you know, right now, that that's kind of what we've gotten. The thing about medicine is that there's such leaps in, in being taken with medicine. You know, things that, like two years ago, you know, like even, and I'm not saying it's a vaccine, but, you know, they can kind of, uh, with the COVID 
situation, they can kind of, um, you know, keep you from having serious reactions to it. Right. Is kind of what the shot does. But um, that happened in a relatively short period of time. So we're hoping that, you know, some things will, will happen sure. that can help Matt I think uh, Matty's Miracle yeah. is what the mm-hmm. GoFundMe, mm-hmm. that's Matty, M-A-T-T-Y. Yeah, right. Exactly. Thank you for uh, for speaking well, about that. Well, thank you for yeah. bringing that up. So, well, I appreciate I it, it. I think it goes to show that, uh, you know, again, we're all friends here. And, you know, everyone that we've gotten to know over the years through the Royals and the Fantasy Camp has been such a blessing getting to meet you and the rest of the guys. But it just goes to show that everyone has something going on in their lives, yeah. right? Everyone's fighting a battle somewhere. Well, look what took place Monday. Live like Luke. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Brissett's son, Absolutely. which is one of the most tragic stories I've ever heard in my life. And, and I, I, you know, we play this golf tournament every year. It's been, I think this is the fifth year, and they show the video of Luke growing up. And, and I mean, it kind of messes me up. I'm, I'm also at the point where I'm, oh, I'm going to stay outside and, Till the till the little film's over, but um, right. And and Ryan, uh, he posted something about like friends forever. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us. Mm-hmm. That's, right. That's what happens. It, it is, I, we were just talking about uh, you know, not too long ago, but you know, we've been you know in this realm of being exposed to Royals Fancy Camp and really truly making some of the best friends that we have oh, in yeah. life. And now we're getting to the point, you know, we're. We're going to funerals together. Uh, yeah. We're going to people's kids, getting married. So, you know, just living life together. And it's really cool. And, you know, people use this word a lot, and it might be overused, but it's it's truly like a brotherhood. It is. Of, a fraternity. It is, yeah. Of everyone getting together. I mean, heck, you go to some of the practices, you know, Royals camps four or five months out, but you go and support them and give, I'm sure you give them razzing a little bit, how they need to get in shape and stuff like well, that. Well, but mostly, yeah. mostly Brad Russell, um, <laughs> which he deserves <laughs> it. You know, you do, I, I, I was going to hold it back, B-Rad, but the right. other day he was just whining at the golf course right. and he goes, you're so mean, you're so mean. And I go, you missed batting practice because you're in a bowling league. I said, "Who bowls anymore?" Right. I said, "Come on." It's <laughs> funny. We were in a bowling league last. That was year. a long. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. That was like it's four like months ago. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know. But he said, "You're so mean." He goes, "You're so mean." But he he's one of my best friends. He's yeah, an awesome. He's guy. good. And, he's and I, guy. I feel comfortable giving him stuff. Yes. Um, he deserves because he's, he's used to it. That's cool. Yeah, that's so exciting. speak, kind of stay on the same path and the trajectory before we wrap up. Um, let's talk. We got a big weekend here in Kansas City. Something that yeah, benefits yeah, you know young children mm-hmm. that are going through tough times with with the big slick tournament benefiting Children's Mercy Hospital. You've been heavily involved with that in the mm-hmm. past. Why don't we just bring a little more awareness to that? You know, I'm, I'm not playing a softball game this this year. Uh, I am going to the party on on Saturday evening, and I've gotten to know you know a lot of those guys. David Cook's a friend. Um, like Sedakis and Rudd and mm-hmm. all those guys, David Keckner, Rob Riggle, he's actually at um, Fantasy Camp a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, great guy. But, yeah, it, it's it's the same thing. They're like that fraternity, too, and, and they all come together. You don't think about cancer, and, um, you know, Madison's 23, and everybody goes, oh, she's so young. But I, I do a thing for Camp Quality, which is a camp yeah. for cancer kids. Isn't that Duran's? No, it's not oh, I'm Duran's. Sorry. I mean, he may be involved in it okay. somewhat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's but, it. But, um, yeah, I think he does, actually. I think he gives money to it. Chris Warboy's kind of... Uh, his a, score one for health. Yeah, yeah. Uh, companies involved with it. But, I mean, there's kids from 6 to 18 that have cancer there. And so, you know, there's, there's no age discrimination in regards to cancer. And everybody knows somebody. 
everybody's had it in their family. Um, you know, we're not feeling sorry for the, for ourselves because of, of this situation, but you know, aware that it's all around. It's yeah. all around. And anything you can do to to help anything or anybody. Um, you know, that's that's what we're all about. Absolutely, and I think it's such an amazing job that you know we have these comedians from Kansas City that are coming and doing and raising a massive amount of money for for the children's hospital hospital bringing awareness and uh, I know you like to give them I saw a picture on Facebook the other day I think you were giving Sudeikis yeah. a hard time at the softball game yeah. well he thinks he can hit <laughs> right and um, he was pointing to where he's going to hit the ball and I said I don't think that's going to happen but he goes you pitching it I go yeah and he goes it'll happen it'll happen mm-hmm. and then Mahomes took me to the warning track on the big field wow Kelsey listen to this Four or five years ago, Kelsey was going to play. And he goes, Fitz, he goes, lay a ball in there for me. I, I, I just want to hit one out. I go, just don't hit the ball up the middle. I said, I'm about 40 feet away. He goes, no L screen. He yeah. struck out. Oh, no. And I was yeah. laughing at him. And, and right. he came the next year and he bunted. Because he got hit off. Oh, <laughs> that's not cool. I go, you're 6'10", 400 pounds, best tight end in football, and you bunt? I said, what? what's wrong with you? Right. And then um, Mahomes though kind of said the same thing. Here, this is a funny story. Mahomes lay one in there. I want to hit one out. And um, I was getting ready to pitch, and I looked to my right, and Selena Gomez mm-hmm. is on standing on third base with a glove. And I, I, I got halfway there and I stopped. I was just kind of, yeah, looking around. I mean, these are kind of cool people, right? And. Um, I walk over there, and, and Paul Rudd comes over and goes, Fitz, what's wrong? I go, she can't be here. And she, and she goes, I was told to play third base. I go, yeah, but you <laughs> She's don't. She's going to die. <laughs> you don't play it there. I said, see this guy up there that's getting ready to hit? She's standing on the I, bag. I said, he, he's maybe the best athlete in the United States. And I said, he could literally kill Oh, my you. gosh. And she All goes, day. where do I go then? And Rudd goes, how about that dugout over there? <laughs> Yes. Sorry, so, Selena. So Sorry. she so she walked off the field, but um, and then Patrick commenced to hit hitting one out. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it, it made. I mean, I'm so happy he did. I mean, that's, that's a great Kansas City story. I remember when he did that, it. and they yep. and they show it all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, cool. it's a fun time. So as we get close to wrapping up here, what would you say? What would be one of your favorite royal stories? Looking back, that you can share with the audience. What what would be like a really cool story that the audience would like to hear? Well. Years ago, Paul Shaw was one of my best friends for a lot of, a lot of years. And um, he was playing third base. And Frank Howard was, I think, 6'7", 6'8", 6'7", something like that. And tremendous power. And he'd already hit a triple, and he couldn't run at all. A triple to hit the, this is in the old ballpark. Okay. They hit the right center field fence and ricocheted all the way over to the left field. Pinella picked it up and just tossed it, and Frank was on third base. Next time up, he hit a ball up in the transformer. Oh my gosh! In left center field, which had like the natural. Oh, it was unbelievable, unbelievable! And he, I was still in the game. I mean, it was still like a two to one game. Third time up, look over and Paul Shaw playing third base is walking to me, and I go, you know, I was a rookie, and he played in he played in the league a little bit, and I go, it's about time I could use a little help. I said, what do you got for me? He said, I don't have anything for you. He says, what I'm trying to do, he said, whatever you do, don't pitch him inside. <laughs> he said, I'm so feet away. <laughs> right? <laughs> he said, he'll kill me. That's but awesome. But you know, we, we, awesome. we just had good times. Um, yeah. 
once the game started, I mean, it was all serious. We didn't hug people on the other team and, and, and talk to them. Right. You know, you were, the we were there friends. to beat them. We were there to beat them. Right. Afterwards, you know, it's, you might see them out for dinner or something. That's fine. But um, once the game started, you know, it was, it was literally game on, and you saw, you know, we, we got in a few fights. Right. Sure. Um, Is that uh, – we've had other guys tell us that fantasy camp – that's why fantasy camp is special for the alumni – and not just for the the campers like us, is that you get a little bit of that camaraderie, cards in the clubhouse, having a pop, right? Having a couple of beers afterwards. Tell yeah. the stories. Tell them the stories. Is that what it's like for the alumni? You get a little little taste of it again? It, it really is. We, um, Amos Otis, Frank White, John Mabry, and myself, we, we go out and we do like almost like stand-up comedy. And we'll be on stage and it's a fundraiser. We raise money for groups. And the stories start and it's, <laughs> I start laughing. I mean, right. you know, when, when Mayberry and Will, Willie get going at each other and then Frank and then I'll, I'll throw some things in. But it, it's all about, we'd go out together at night. We'd lock her together. We'd stay, talk about the game afterwards. We were on a bus one time. We were going, I don't, I don't know where we were going, but Hal McCray had come over and all the talk had been about, you know, he's with this big red machine. Mm-hmm. Hal McCray's going to hit 300. It's going to, help teach his team how to win. Hal was hitting like 160. <laughs> and we're on the bus and Mayberry, you know, talk Mayberry used to sit in the very back seat of the bus and hold court. He just oh, had everybody rolling story oh, after story. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden John goes, Hal McCray said, Mac, thanks for the help. <laughs> and, and Mac kind of looked back and he goes, yep. Hal McRae's coming over here to teach us how to hit 160. That's what you, that's oh, what no. you're that's what you're teaching us to do. He goes, you might as well have kept your butt in Cincinnati. He goes, we got plenty of guys around here hitting 160. <laughs> <laughs> and he just start, you know John just starts rolling. It and just rolling. keeps going. And Wait, man, is it quiet when that happens, or is everybody rolling? We're, we're laughing. Okay. And we knew John. We knew this was going to happen eventually. You know, John wasn't going to let it get away. And Matt goes, John, that's enough. He said, that's what I say, Mac. That's enough. Why don't you go back to Cincinnati? <laughs> he said, why don't you give us back? He said, I didn't even know who we gave you, but we'd rather have him back. Oh, my gosh. And so it kept, wow. and finally, Mac goes, John, and he goes, you're a foot taller than I am. You're 60 pounds heavier than I am. He says, but I'm, I'm coming back. <laughs> and he stood up and started charging back. And someone tackled him. And everybody's doubled over laughing. And everybody else is laughing. And stuff like that happened all the time. Oh my that's god! I mean, really, you know, right? Just a lot of laughs, and that's why these guys were so, so special. Oh yeah, absolutely. So They're your buddies. That's so cool. baseball special, man. Thank you so much for oh, my, my pleasure. pleasure. This was this awesome. fun. We love you. Really man. appreciate you, man. Anything we can fun. do, man, we're here yeah. for you. Absolutely. All right. We love you. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps it up for the ABC podcast. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you listen. We appreciate you very much. Thanks to Al Fitzmorris. Cool. It's fun. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. We'll see you guys. Bye-bye. Nice job, Fitzy. Good good. man. You guys had some good info. Uh, We try. Heck, we study more more now than what we did when we were I know. No kidding. No kidding. I saw, I saw Mayberry one time. Uh, we were playing. I forget who we were playing. But um, Mayberry got drilled intentionally. Okay. Uh-huh. And Mayberry just went down.